Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. To worship, but to uh, see our brothers and our sisters, always a good thing, always a good thing. Praise the name of the Lord. You excited this morning? You happy you woke up this morning? Amen. All right, let's let's have a word of prayer, and then we get into the word this morning. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive, and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. We've been looking at basic things that can help our spiritual growth. And there was a quote we talked about last Sunday. How many of you can remember the quote? Champions are what? Champions are what? Masters of the basics. Champions are masters of the basics. So, we're actually looking at some basic things that can hinder our prayer life. What, what was the first one we looked at last Sunday? Sleep. <laughs> How many of you tried your best to overcome sleep to pray last week? Or did it still catch you? <laughs> so we said sleep. Okay? It's one of the things that we have to overcome if we want to develop a strong prayer life. Praise the name of the Lord. Sleep. We have to overcome it. If you, if you want your prayer life to be strong. Because most times when you're close from work, you're tired. Then it's difficult to pray effectively. And like we said, we're not just talking about common general prayers. We're talking about prayers that are effective, that will change nations, change cities, and change communities. And we said Jesus overcame sleep so he could pray. So he woke up, Mark 1.35. Let's start from there. Just a brief summary and then we get into today's word. Mark chapter 1. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. That's the phrase I like. Jesus did what? got up and left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. And so if we want to be people of prayers, we must learn to get up when sleep wants to keep us down from praying. And so we looked at Jesus while he was praying the garden of Gethsemane in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 40. And Jesus was praying in the garden of Gethsemane. And uh, the disciples, the Bible says, their eyes were heavy with sleep. So they couldn't pray alongside with Jesus. And another quote I gave to you that I said you should not forget. Is that a prayer not said cannot what? Cannot be answered. Amen. A prayer not said cannot what? 
cannot be answered. So that means that if we want God to answer our prayers, we have to say prayers. The second one we talked about is not having what? Not having a scheduled time to pray. So how many of us schedule time this week to pray? You know, I'll tell you something, right? The scripture says that it's the doers of the word that are blessed. So, every message places a responsibility on every one of us. Once a message comes forth, a responsibility comes with the message. Praise the name of the Lord. It's like when you study to be an engineer, okay, or you study to be a pharmacist, there is a, a responsibility with that knowledge. Praise God. What's that responsibility? That when people come and they need drugs, you should be able to dispense drugs. You are not just taught for the sake of learning. You are taught for the sake of action. Every time you, uh, you, every time you subject yourself to a body of knowledge, it is expected that there is a required action that should follow that body of knowledge. So, for instance, if they send you, if your mother or your brother send you to, to a sewing institution and say, well, we want you to become a fashion designer, it is expected that after you leave school, uh, the fashion school, you should be able to do what? To sew, to design cloth. The same thing if you were uh, sent to a catering school. So, what I'm trying to say essentially is that uh, for, for the children of God, we don't just hear messages for the sake of hearing messages. Every message has a responsibility on us that we need to perform. So, it goes on to say, we must have a scheduled time. And we looked at the example of a man. What man did we look at outside of Jesus? That you can look at your notes. Daniel, praise God. Right. Daniel, how many times did Daniel pray? Three times. And he opened his window to where? To Jerusalem. Perfect. You guys should be the pastors of this church. Alright, so Daniel had a scheduled time. And we say is that if you don't schedule your prayer time, you will, you, you will try to be squeezing time. In fact, um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm actually doing about two, three programs right now. And in one of my programs, uh, they were teaching us about personal management in life, uh, and personal management and all of that. And uh, a lecturer said something which I completely agree. Well, people talk about time management, but he said, well, time actually cannot be managed. It's your life that you manage. Okay? You manage yourself. And then you fill in the time because time is just there. It's 24 hours. It's given to you. You can't, you can't uh, add more to it. You can't reduce it. You can't do anything about it. It's just there. And so you really don't have control over time in that sense. Okay? So what you manage is yourself, your schedule, your priorities to be able to use time effectively. So uh, it's the same thing. You have to manage yourself so you can have time for prayers. If you don't, you will not have time for prayers. And I said something last Sunday that I don't want us to forget. That natural things can easily be 
measured. But spiritual things cannot easily be measured. And because of that, I think it was on Wednesday I said that, not Sunday. And because of that, when we stop doing spiritual things, we actually do not feel sometimes what we have lost. Okay? So let me, let me give a very typical example. If they say, uh, if you work for one hour, we'll pay you 100 naira. Okay? Or 1,000 naira. Let me just put it 1,000 naira. And you work for 13 hours. That, that would be how much? 13,000. Okay. Perfect. If you work for 60 hours, that would be how much? 60,000. Okay. Now, if you were in the company with someone and you worked for 60 hours and for some reason, the next month, you were able to work for only 45 hours, how much would you earn? 45,000. Okay? And uh, you were supposed to earn 60,000. So you've lost how much now? You've lost 15,000. Don't worry. All those who are no mathematics students, just wait. When they say the answer, you follow them to say that's how to pass. Okay. So you can, you can easily measure. Right? You can easily measure and say, Oh, I've lost 15,000 because I worked for only 45 hours. Now let me ask you. When you don't pray for one day, what have you lost? <laughs> no, you haven't. What did you say? Protection? Connection with God. Okay, but essentially, your connection is still intact in that sense. But you've lost fellowship. Maybe there are things God wants to speak to you in that, in that day. But what I'm trying to say is that we really cannot quantify. Do, do you understand? You really... Yeah, I mean, let's even look at the issue of connection and fellowship you're talking about. You really even don't know what God wants to speak to you to that day about. You have no idea the instructions of the Spirit that God wants to give to you. So, sometimes because we cannot easily calculate it. Huh? And the rain of God falls on the just and the unjust. So, probably no evil thing happens that day. It's fine. You're okay. Some businesses even came. You really do not know what you have missed. And again, uh, I was listening to a message this morning. I try to listen to messages, even before I come to church. I, I'm, I'm listening to, I always try to listen to messages. Well, I listen to messages all the time, actually. And, and the preacher was saying something. I, I want to use it to illustrate this point. He said when he got born again, he has one of the largest churches in the city of Ibadan. He said when he got born again, uh, he just got born again, so he, he got a hold of a ministry materials, got a hold of some magazines, and he just got, a, got born again then, so he really didn't know the importance of the local church. So he was at home, well, he was in university, for two years, he was just drinking of these materials, soaking of these materials, studying these materials, okay, feeding his spirit man. He now said something, that he did not know that he was growing. But he was just feeding himself, reading books, reading the Bible for two years. And after that, he went to youth service. And when he went to youth service, they were electing officials and everything. Well, he ended up becoming the Bible study secretary and every uh, uh, Bible study secretary, or one of the executives. And you know, uh, you know, the Lord opened the door for him. He began to teach, and he realized that for two years he had grown so much. Now. He said something. He says, when you are growing, most times you really do not know that you're growing. It's the same thing. 
When we spend time every day to pray, you don't know the capacity you're building in your spirit. When you spend time every day to feed on the word, spend time to fellowship with the brethren, spend time, you are growing. You know, and a day will come, you just realize, oh, these challenges that used to bother me, they don't bother me anymore. Why? You have grown. Praise the name of the Lord. And so it's important for us to have a schedule for what? For prayers. Now, we're going to look at maybe three major hindrances this morning. Let's see how we go with time. But the, the next one is people's prayers are hindered because they are not word-based. Because they are not word-based. So the first two I talked about was what hinders our prayer life. Okay? So those things hinder our prayer life. They make us not to pray. But now... Let's assume people are praying. Let's assume we're praying now. What are some of the simple things that can hinder our prayer life itself? Um, our prayers itself. Number one, in this we say, not word-based. Not word-based. Go to John chapter 16, which is our key text for this series. John chapter 16 and verse 23. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John chapter 16 and verse 23. Praise the name of the Lord. John 16, 23. Are you there? If you are there, say amen. Alright, just one person. I didn't say if you're looking at the slide. I said if you're there in your Bible. John 16. Okay, are you there? Verse 23. In that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father... For anything in my name, he will give it to you. Okay? Now, until now, you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you would receive, so that your joy may be what? Made full. So we understood from this verse of scripture that God wants to answer our prayers. God wants our joy to be full. You see, we must have a very correct perspective of God. God is not looking for how to punish us. God is not looking for how to... No, God is looking for how to bless us. He wants to be good to us. God wants to answer prayer. So, when I go to the place of prayer, I'm going with the fact that my Father wants to answer me. I'm not going with the fact that He wants to deny me. No, He wants to answer me. Praise God. Now, go to John chapter 15. Just flip back a bit. To John chapter 15 and verse 7. Now, I want you to look at this. If you abide in me, I want you to look at that word, if. Right? Let's look at that word, if. Can you see it? I, F, if. If you abide in me. That word, if, will that make it conditional? Yeah? Would that make it conditional? I want you to follow me. Would that word make it conditional? Would that word put the, the choice on you? Mm. You know, many times you think that, you, you know, somehow, we always think that God has problems, have we? You know, sometimes we pray, 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 and then we don't have answers. And then you know, what have been praying? God, why? We, you know, have you ever had those God, why moments? Hmm? Come on, all of us have had it. 
Have you ever had those God why moments? I fasted, God why? I prayed, God why? I sowed seed, God why? <laughs> you know this 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 small word, if it's a big word. Because every statement we're going to read going forward depends on that word. And why it's a big word is that it depends on you. A lot of the things that you require from God actually are highly dependent on you. You know, a few days ago I was thinking about something and and a phrase popped up in my spirit. God's will and man's will. We're going to spend some time to talk about it. Most of us don't understand how powerful our will is. We always, we always look at, yeah, God is powerful, God is mighty, God, you know, but you don't know that as powerful as God is, you can decide not to receive anything from God. I'm, I'm going to spend time, I mean, it's, it's, it's brooding in my spirit, I'm going to spend time to, to, to teach it. Do you realize what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, we read that? He says, Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass away from me. Then what did Jesus say again? Not my will, but what? But thine be done. Which means that he could have imposed his will. Jesus said, if you got a book of Isaiah, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. That means that you cannot be willing. Book of Numbers, as you have spoken to my ears, so shall I do unto you. What did they say to God's ears? We don't want to go into the promised land. Did God force them into the promised land? What happened? They all died. But you know, people can come and question God. Why did this person die? What's their will? Because God did not create robots. God created humans with the will. That's why you cannot force someone to be saved. You can be born in a pastor's house and not be born again. Because salvation, you have to of your will. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? You have to of your will accept the Lord Jesus. I mean, we'll talk about that. Let's, let's see what we're saying. But if, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Two things are there. If you abide in me, now, most people don't have a problem with that, which is problem of fellowship, of connection. We're in Christ. But look at the next word. And my words abide in you. What does the word abide mean? What, what do you think the word abide would connote? Huh? What, what other words can we use for abide? Come on now. To dwell? Mm-hmm. What? Sorry? Stay, okay. What other word? To remain. To be resident. I mean, you guys, you write your own Bible. I like that resident. And my words reside in you. I like that. And my words reside in you. How many of you know that you have a choice about what's residing in you? 
Can we, let's leave John 15, 7. We'll come back here. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Let's see something there. Why don't we have 100% answers to our prayers? Look at this, Colossians 3.16. Did, did someone say the word abide could also be used as dwell? Did someone say that? Do we agree with that? Yeah, we can say abide means to dwell. Hmm? You can tell your friend, I want to come and abide in your house. I mean, if any of your friends tells you you want to come and abide in your house, that person is not planning to live on time. <laughs> and then once he now uses, I, I, I feel like dwelling with you. You know that that guy is not going. Alright, so, but, but can we use that word now? Look at Colossians 3.16. It says, let, that word let could also, we could also look at it from a conditional perspective. It's, it's an instruction, but you can decide not to let it. But Paul says, let the word of Christ richly do what? Dwell, or which other word are we using from John? Abide within you. So it means that the word of God can dwell in a man richly. What would richly imply? In abundance. Not scarce. Rich would mean what? Not scarce. Rich would means what? Not in lack. Rich would means what? A lot of it. Plentiful. Overflowing. Perfect. Let the word of Christ richly, overflowingly dwell within you. That means God's word can be in a man. Are you following this? Now we we'll go back to John. Let's go back to John chapter five, chapter fifteen. Thank you, Lord. Now, seven, fifteen, seven again. If you abide in me, why do you say if you abide in me? Can we go up a bit? Let's go up a bit. We'll come come to verse seven. Go to verse six. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So he talked about those who deliberately are not abiding. Okay, then the next verse says, if, if, if you now abide in me, if you choose, if you make that choice, the things of the Spirit are choices. You have to choose to walk in righteousness. You have to choose to be a prayerful person. You have to choose to be a man of the Spirit. Every time, every time, right, in your life, you're, 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 you're faced with two choices all the time. You're faced with the choice of yielding to the Spirit or yielding to the flesh. Every time. Look at what it says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. You know, you know, where, we, you know where I like so much in this verse? Is the ask whatever you wish. You know, but you know that's the most simple thing to do in this verse. Let's look at the verse now. What do you think is the most simple thing to do here? Ask whatever you wish. How many of you think that's simple? That's simple now. 
If I tell you what do you want now, I mean, is that not simple? Or you don't know what you want? Come on, if I come to this pulpit right now and say, you know what? God appeared to me yesterday night. And he said, ask whatever you wish and it will be done unto you. I give you 10 minutes to ask. Some of you will even say, no, no, Pastor, 10 minutes is too much. <laughs> How many of you will ask for a car first? I'm not tired of trekking. <laughs> okay. That's the easiest thing to do right here. And what did the Lord Jesus tell us? He says, and it will be done for you. This is powerful. Do you think God actually means what he says here? Are you sure about that? He means that word there. Now somebody says, yeah, but I've been asking. Now there's a big condition here that many people do not take seriously. It's that next line. My words abiding in you. That there, that there is the big deal. And somebody say, you know, and I, you know what, you know what, if you abide in Christ, you are in Him. The Bible tells us that we are in Him. We are in Christ, and God's word abiding us. It will change your desires. The more you fellowship with God, when you go to the place of prayer, it will change the things you ask for. Praise God. Are, are you following what I'm saying? You will not just be asking like a child who, you know, you know, you know your children can just ask for some things. Daddy, as you're going, buy a replacement for me. <laughs> you say yes. You know, you know, daddy, buy this house for me. Daddy, buy this for me. But as your son fellowships with you more, as your son grows older, eh, you will not be asking for airplane. You will not be asking for house. You will not be, are you hearing what I'm saying? The child will not be asking for strategic things that are destiny changing. That's what happens. The more your, the word of God abides with you, it will begin to... It will begin to change your desires and begin to change what you ask for. And it will begin to give you confidence in the place of prayer. And if the word of God abides in you, you'll be having answers to prayers. Because, listen to this and listen very carefully, God is committed to his word alone. Now, <laughs> and, and, and you know that, right? The scripture says that in the book of First John. That we know that he hears us if we pray according to his will. Now the question is, what is his will? Now let me show you something. Hold your place here. Let's go to First John 4.13 very quickly. Let me show you something here. First John 4, are you with me? Say amen if you're here. Alright, that's good. First John 4.13, are you there? By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his what? Spirit. So, the question of abiding in God is settled. You are in him. Why? Because he has given you his spirit. So, the Holy Spirit is the seal of redemption. So there's no question of 
Are you abiding in Him? You are. Because you have the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is inside of you. So that solves the first line of if you abide in me. So the second line, John 15, I remember. The second line there would be, if my words abide in you, that God cannot do for you. That is not guaranteed. Are you following this? Abiding in Him is... First John tells us, by this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. So I have the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. I know that I'm in Christ. So I'm abiding in Him. Now, the question of, if my words abide in you, that is not guaranteed. That you have a role. That you have a responsibility. Let's go to First John chapter 5. First John chapter 5. Verse 14. This is the confidence, First John 5, 14. This is the confidence which we have before him or toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What would be God's will here? God's will is his word. God's will is what? His word. Do we agree with that? His will is his word. If, if a man is about to... I, I know here we really don't like to talk about wills, you know. If, 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 uh, you, you should have a will. I mean, having a will is not, um, it's not like you're preparing for death. It's just wise stewardship so that there will not be confusion everywhere. You know. <laughs> I, was, I, was telling, I was telling my wife a few days ago about... Um, one of the Hebrews, um, the Hebrew family, one of them uh, had his grave. Um, I think it was Michael. I'm not sure which of them, but I'm sure it was Michael. Because I think Felix was the governor. Had his grave and everything concerning his funeral sorted out. He had his grave there. Even before he died, way before he died, his grave and everywhere he would be buried was there. On, in his center called Hebrew Center. We used to go there several times and then they would show us this is where he said when he died he would be buried. He lived quite long. So uh, we always have this fear about, you know, will. You know, imagine your wife comes tell you uh, you don't have a will. Say, uh, do you want to kill me? No, it's just to avoid confusion. You know, sometimes when people pass on, then scavengers come from all over. Okay? Just. Let's write simple things down. I want this done this way. I want this done this way. And everything. Just save people all the, all the stress. You know, we like to... I mean, let's leave that. But, <laughs> but your will is your words documented. Right? So, let's say if a man writes his will, I have one wife... I have six children. I want my first child to take the bicycle, my second child to take the heart, my, my third child to take, you know, my whatever, my shoe. Now, the man would have said that. If the man, was, if the man knew he would die this morning, he would say that probably before he dies. Right? But now, the man probably does not know when, he was, when he's going to die. So what does he do? He says it, you've got to follow me here. He says it to the lawyer, words, and the lawyer does what? Writes it down. So we can actually say that the will of a man is the written words of that man. 
Can we say that? Can we say that? Because sometimes I also know that certain people, their will is not written. Some people actually video their will. Okay? So they sit down, they say all what they want to say, they video them, then they keep the video somewhere. Well, and then at their death, they play that. So what I'm trying to say is that will actually just speaks of somebody's words. Strong words now, not just any kind of word. So, the Bible says this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, so we can replace that word will there, but according to his words, he hears us. Go to verse 15. Verse 15 now says, if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. Can you see that all the things we're reading from John up until this time shows us that there is guarantee to answers. I mean, the Bible is not writing like, I'm not sure if God will answer. No, it's telling us if you do this and this, you'll get your answers. You will get your answers. We know that if we ask according to his word, what's going to happen? We would have what we request from him. Now, this is where the challenge is. This is where the basic hindrance is for people. Many people do not pray the word. What do they pray? Their wish. What do they pray? Their circumstances. You know, people go into the place of prayer and instead of asking God's will, they describe all the circumstances. I'll give you an example. Jesus, was, Jesus sent the disciples. Okay? Right? That story is very interesting. He told the disciples, let's go over to the other side. So let's examine it. We're going to examine it together now. Okay? Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. What is his will there? What's his will in that statement? Hey, come on now. You can't fail this. This is open book exam. What's, what's God's will? What is Jesus' will there? We should all go over to the what? To the other side. Can we say that's his will? If I tell you now, let's go to Finima. And somebody else asks, what do you think pastor wants? Or what's pastor's will for us? What would you say? Let's go to Finima. So when Jesus said, let's cross over to the other side. What was Jesus' will there? Cross over to the other side. Fantastic. So they were rowing. And then in the middle of that journey, what happened? A storm came. Perfect. Now, what did they cry out? What did they say? They woke up Jesus and they said to him, Carest not that we perish. That was their prayer. Hmm? Was that the will of God for them? Was the will of God for them that they should perish? What was God's will for them? I know it looks basic, but remember, we're doing basic hindrances to prayer. So don't, don't say, ah, we have answered before. No, answer again. <laughs> okay? So you really understand it. Okay? What was God's will for them? Go back to the other side. What did they say in their prayer to Jesus? Come on now, come on. What did they say in their prayer to Jesus? Carest not that we perish. What was God's will for them? 
Let's go back to the other side. In that instance, was the will and the word of God abiding in them? No, sir. What was in them? Fear of what? Of death. And what did they pray? That's what they prayed. See how, how, how this is, right? Because most times we go to the place of prayer and we describe the problem to God as if he's not aware. Lord, you know what they are doing. See what they are doing. And God says, ah, I didn't know. And then you now say, Father, take control in Jesus' name. You haven't prayed. What does the word say about that situation? Do you remember Jesus actually gave them an example of how to deal with things? Mark 11. I said I have three points today. I'm still in the first one. Mark 11, 23. No, don't turn there. Just, just, you know what it says. What you do, do to the mountain? Say, speak to the what? To the mountain. Has Jesus given them an instruction before on how to address things they don't like? Yes. But was that word abiding in the disciples? No. Because what did Jesus do? Jesus got up. <laughs> and what did Jesus do to the storm? Come on, what did Jesus do? Somebody tell me. What did Jesus do? Jesus did what? Spoke to the wind. And what did Jesus say? Peace be still. And then Jesus turns to them and says what to the disciples? Oh ye of what? Little faith. Because if the lesson that Jesus taught them before had been on inside of them, if they didn't even pray to Jesus, all they needed to do was to speak to the stone. It means the word was not abiding in them. There are many things you're praying to God about that God already told you you should talk about. If the word was abiding in you, you wouldn't pray about them. There are some things you shouldn't pray to Jesus about. Why did he give you authority? Praise God. You know, every little thing, my child can run to me. Every little thing, my child can run to me. But if my son runs to me about every little thing, I'm going to put him on his toes. Come on, come on, handle this. Deal with it. There are many things we're praying about that require our speaking. Thank God, next month we're going to have the faith conference. I'll teach you on the law of words. There are certain things you shouldn't pray about. When you're praying about them, God is looking at you and saying, you know what, guy? If my word is actually abiding in you, you will know that I don't have anything to do about this. You have to talk to it. There are many mountains in our life that are still present because we're praying about them. Jesus never said, pray about the mountain to me. He says, you speak to the mountain. Those things don't require prayer. You stand before that thing, you address it in the name of Jesus, and it will go. Praise God. Are you here? But how do you know what to do? The word abiding in you. The word abiding in you. Richly. Because when you are in the place of prayer, 
You know, when I'm praying for someone, maybe somebody comes to me and I'm ministering to them. They, they give me something. Oh, Pastor, this is wrong. This is wrong. I want you to pray with me. When I'm laying hands on them or I'm holding hands with them in agreement and I'm praying with them, what happens is several scriptures will begin to come up in my spirit. And those are the scriptures I'll pray. What's happening? The word. I'm praying the word. Because prayer is actually taking God's word back to him. Are you following this? Prayer is what? It's like reminding God. It's not like he's forgetful, but it's like reminding God his word. That's why in the law court, you always hear, you know, I prayed you, my Lord, I prayed thee, my Lord, I prayed thee, my Lord. The constitution says it. You know, when you go to the court of law, you cannot just say your mind. You know, we'll talk about that in the law of faith. There is a document that is valid in the law court, which is what? The constitution. That's the same thing with a believer. In the place of prayer, there is a document that is valid, which is God's word. So, for a child of God to have 100% answers prayers, the word of God must be full on his inside. Whatever situation, whatever the situation is, you cannot base in prayer on what you just want to have happen, but on only what is promised in the word of God. God is committed to what he has promised. So the first thing, that's why sometimes when you have major issues in your life, don't be in a hurry to pray. Sometimes, sit back, go get the word. And feed on the word. And those are the words you should pray about. You're trusting God for something. What scripture are you standing on? What scripture are you praying? There is a word for every situation in your life. There are many areas in my life that I pray about. And I can tell you the word of God that I'm standing on. Even when I have my confessions for the year, my confessions for the month, sometimes I bring six, seven scriptures, read all of them together and craft out confessions for every one of them. I don't just write out confessions that I want. No, I confess the word. I, I make sure my confession is tailored to the word because God is committed to his word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not pass away. And so when I go to the place of prayer, I take God's word back to him. I say, Father, this is what you said in your word. And because faith takes what grace has made available. And so, if we want to see answers to prayer, we must be people of the word. We must be people of the word. We must learn to pray the word. If we don't pray the word, we will not have word answers. That's why the teaching of God's word is very important. Praise God. Come on, I said that's why the teaching of God's word is very important. When you, when you go, when you see people who are not taught the word, you can tell from their prayers. You can tell from their prayers. You know, sometimes when people pray, you know, oh, no, 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 no. This person has no, no idea of the word. Because they pray things that are not in the word. They pray their desires. They pray their, their not just their desires. They, they just pray whatever comes to their mind. Everything can be a prayer point for them. Have you heard people say that? Say, turn this thing to prayer points. Everything can be prayer. You can't turn anything to prayer point. You've got to pray the word. And it's because of those extra scriptural prayers that we began to pray prayers that are not in the word. Hmm? Let me give you an example. 
should I do this now? I think I should. Have you heard believers pray and use the word Holy Ghost fire? Have you heard that? I know some of you still pray that way. Not only have you heard, you are an active practitioner. Do you realize in the scripture that the Holy Ghost fire was designed and meant for believers alone? Spirit talks about baptizing us with fire. Talks about the Holy Ghost sitting on them like clothing tongues of fire. There is nowhere and today is Sunday, after the first service, you have the whole day to yourself. I challenge you to go read the scriptures. There is nowhere we are asked to pray with Holy Ghost fire. Nowhere where we ask to send Holy Ghost fire. The Holy Ghost fire was designed for the believer. To burn the dross out of you. To purify you. So you can be cleansed for the master's use. It was not meant for your enemies. Too much of Nigerian films interfering with the Bible. You need to be careful of that. Because when you have watched film, when someone says, Holy Ghost fire, then fire now caught somebody. Somebody's dying. You bring that into the scriptures. We need to be careful of that. And, and I, I say this with heaviness of heart. Because we have raised a generation that has no fidelity to scriptures. I can preach the truth now and nobody will pay attention. Because people don't care what is in the Bible. What do they care about? Results. And I give another scripture. Jesus clearly said that. Disciples, they didn't accept him. In a city, and the disciples said, Should we call down fire like Elijah did? The only time the disciples of Jesus asked Jesus if they could call down fire, Jesus rebuked them and he says, You know not what manner of spirits you are made up of. The only time they requested for that. They got a rebuke. And we have whole denominations set up on that prayer. Praise God. You know, I was talking to my friend the other day, and he was, uh, we were just talking. And he said, I was telling him, I said, you know, if the Lord has not called me to be a pastor, you know what I would have just loved? He said, no. I said, I, said, I would have just loved to go and just, just stay in a Bible school and just train pastors. On, forget about anything you know. Open the Bible again. Read the words of Jesus. Read the words of Jesus. How simple this instruction is. Pray for your enemies. Bless them that persecute you. What's difficult in that instruction? Now it's simple. But you know what? That's not strong enough. <laughs> Can you see this? Okay. 
place is getting very quiet now. Because you're not hearing, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. Someone said, but after I prayed, somebody died. No, you employed the devil. God does not kill in answers to your prayer. You are collaborating with the devil. He is the one who kills. Your words have power. They will either empower the angels of God or empower demons to get to work. After I prayed, six people from my village died. Not a problem. So let's clap for you. Six people have died. You have bought a car. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. And when you stand before the Lord on the day of judgment, and the Lord asks you, what did you do with my life, with your life? Say, you know what, God? <laughs> I was a prayer warrior. See that my uncle that died? It was my prayer that killed him. See that one? My prayer killed him. See that my auntie in the village, after the last all night, he died. And Jesus will clap for you. And then God will ask you a very simple question. So who did you get born again? Say no, 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 no. We were, we were, we were, we were, we were fire prayer warriors. And, and God will, will look at you and will commend you and show you all the people you killed. Hmm? And he will show you no one you got saved. And then we will crown you Nigeria's Syria killer. That's the Christianity we've come up with. And you knew, you know why you did all of this killing? You just wanted a promotion. Extra 100,000. Just one two bedroom flat. Anybody that says, I will not lay this foundation, they will lay them. Just two bedroom flats. So God will show you how for two bedroom flats you made people to be widows. You killed people. Did everything. And then God will show you again people who forsook everything and led nations to Christ. You know why this this thing has become a hindrance to prayer? It's not based on the word. And I dare you to open the scriptures and show me you can't find it. That's why you can't find those prayer points from the New Testament. You can never find it. You know where they root all those prayer points from? From the Old Testament. Because that's the only valid place you can even pick a scripture that is close to it. And of course, most of the scriptures are interpreted out of context. But let's just assume you find it there. Never find Paul praying that. Never find all the apostles praying that. Rather, you find them praying that God will open the eyes of our understanding. That we might know the riches of his inheritance. That will be rooted and grounded in the will of God. Are you, praying? Are you hearing this? It says that we are rooted and grounded in the love of God. That the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. That when you even see someone who is like an enemy to you, your concern will be the fact that this person doesn't know God. That if they know God, they will act differently. A new burden of salvation will be in your heart for them. 
That is a man who is fellowshipping with the word. Are you following what I'm saying? But if the word does not abide in the man, if Nigerian theme abides in the man and has dwelt in him richly, what will he pray? Pray anything he wants to pray. Are you, are you still here? Get this now. The word. So, believers must be taught the word. We've talked about that when we talk, talked about praying our rights. Believers must be taught the word. You must know the word. Because the scripture says, study to show yourself approved. A workman who is not what? Ashamed. Rightly dividing what? The word. Now, if the word of God can be rightly divided, it also means it can be what? Wrongly divided. What makes you to rightly divide the word of God? Study. Praise God. Study. So you can... And, and, and that's why it's important that when you're taught, go back. That's why I give you a lot of scriptures. You see... What we talk about, I give you a lot of scripture so that you can also go back like the Berean believer and do what? And study it. And go through it. And see if what I'm teaching is the truth. That's how you should approach the word of God. That's why you should have your notes. You go back again. You study. If you have questions, bring them up. You know, let me, let me stay on this a bit. You know, when Stephen was being killed, Saul held the gamuts of those who were stoning Stephen to death. What did Stephen pray? Come on, what did Stephen pray? You don't know what Stephen prayed? What did Stephen pray? He says, do not lay this charge against them. And the Bible says, he saw heaven and Jesus standing. Why was the Lord standing to welcome Stephen home? Because Stephen prayed exactly like Jesus prayed. In the garden of Gethsemane. Pray that no charge will be laid against these people. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. There is no Christian today. That they are stoning you to death. Hmm? And you now see somebody holding your shirt. And I say, Father, don't lay this charge against them. Uh, no. Say, you think they don't know what they are doing? They know you all of you will die. As you are stoning me, fire will stone you people. That's how you pray. <laughs> In my mind, I'm just thinking God will just say, die quickly and come home before you embarrass the gospel. Come on, disgrace us there. But look at this. That man who was holding the garments of those that were killing Stephen. And Stephen said, Lord, don't hold this charge against him. I believe that was the seed of intercession that birthed the conversion of Saul. That man wrote through toward of the New Testament. I'm wondering how many people we've killed that should be apostles and prophets and teachers. And would have done so much more for the gospel if we would have just stayed by praying the word. That is a typical example of what it means to pray for your enemies. 
This, I don't know why I'm going this way, but I feel full of the Holy Ghost. This thing called life, this thing of money, car, house, we, we need to be dead to it, the material world. It needs to become... I don't know how to put it. it. When we say everything is vanity, we should really see it for that sake. I don't know how to explain it. See it that way. So that it does not move your prayer. It does not move your commitment to God. Are you following what I'm saying? So that it's just, it's just that thing. It's, it's just car. It's just... It's okay. All these things can go, but let's get people saved. Let's get people born again. Let's get people into the faith. Let's get people into the kingdom. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let's forsake the treasures of Egypt and be willing to suffer with the children of God in the wilderness. But you know what? God knows how to get these things to us. Praise God. No, God. Oh my God. God knows how to get it to us. <laughs> ah, I'll tell you. But that's a typical example of a man that the word was abiding in and prayed the word. Praise God. Let me show you one more thing and see what we can. See how far we can go so that we can wrap this up. Uh, let me just do this. Let me, do this. Let me follow the Holy Ghost here. The, the next thing, Mark eleven twenty five. Let me follow the Holy Spirit here. I've got something on my notes, but something came up in my heart this morning. I think that's what God wants me to share. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Just, just an icing on the cake. But have you, have you gotten that? What we said? Praying the word. So what's your assignment? Go get the word. Don't just, let me tell you this, right? Don't just look for scriptures that you used to pray. Just fellowship with the word. Like our sister said, maintain that connection. In the place of prayer, scriptures will come out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Scriptures will just pop up. You're praying for your child. A scripture will just come up. Just say praise. And that will be the scripture for the moment. Hmm? Just fellowship. It's the same thing. If a pastor always is studying what he will preach, he won't preach out of the overflow. Just, just fellowship. Fellowship with the Father. You begin to put words in your spirit. You say, oh, teach this, teach that, teach this, teach this. <laughs> you, know, you know, sometimes, um, you know, I laugh with my wife all the time. Yeah, today is Mother's Day, right? Uh, yeah, they have many Mother's Day in the year. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes we always laugh. She'll say, oh, today is Mother's Day. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, somewhere in Mother's Day, they'll prepare Mother's Day sermon. When it's Valentine, there'll be a Valentine sermon. It's good, but I don't know how to follow those things. Because sometimes, it can be Mother's Day, but God wants to teach us something different. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, it's good. You can have tailor-made session to, to, to focus on certain days. But you must always yield to the Holy Ghost. So that the Lord will do what He wants to do in the life of His people. It's the same thing in your life. It might be this period for everybody. Don't just jump and be praying what everyone is praying. There might be specific things God wants to deal with in your life. And He's saying pray this way. Those will give you guaranteed prayers. Answers to prayers. Praise God. Now if you go to Mark 11.25... Talk about the faith to move the mountain and everything. He says, whenever you stand praying, forgive. 
Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone. Let's look at that. Let's look at that. Forgive. One of the hindrances to prayer, major, so it's not even basic, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. You know, malice here. Unforgiveness in your heart. It will hinder your prayer. And you know the reason why it will hinder your prayer? It's very simple. Galatians 5, 6 says, Faith works by love. If love is not perfected in your heart, your faith will not be perfected. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You've got to let those offense go. You've got to let those offense go. Many people are believing, believing God for many things. But offense in their heart. Offended against the pastor. Offended against your fellow member. Or in the market, somebody. You are not. Ah, no, no, no. Too much burden. And I've, I realize that we are almost in a generation where it's like offense is, you don't even have to do anything. People just get offended. Some of the things people are offended about, I, and then you find out later, you're like, ah, I mean, there's nothing to it there. You're cautious what to say. Somebody takes offense. I'm not saying you should allow toxic people into your space, but you can be at peace with all men. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Offense. Unforgiveness in the heart. Go back to Mark 11.25 for me. Unforgiveness in the heart. Write this down. Will hinder answers to your prayers. Unforgiveness in your heart. Will hinder your answers to prayers. Now. One of the things that. You've got to understand is this right. One of the things you've got to understand is this. Forgiveness does not help the person who hurts you. It helps you. And as you fellowship with God, if you really have fellowship with God, and there is hurt in your heart, and unforgiveness in your heart, the Lord will deal with you about that. He will bring it up. Sometimes you ignore it, but He will bring, he will bring it up. <laughs> My wife was telling me about the story She's doing a course now, a pastoral course, pastoral care course. She's telling me about the pastor of the church said that. They transferred the pastor to a new church. So they used to put the bulletins in the, like, maybe like the back of the seat. And then it used to distract people during service. So the pastor decided that they should be handing over the bulletins at the end of the service. After two years, a man and a wife came to the pastor and said, uh, we have decided to forgive you. <laughs> After two years. The man said, the pastor said, for what? That, why should, why would the pastor remove the bulletins from front of the chairs and be giving them, that they just brought him. He shouldn't have done that. You're laughing, right? It's funny. It's not funny. When you find out why people are offended, you will realize that it's just the enemy trying to stop people from getting victory. You know the same, I mean, it looks funny until you find out the reason why certain people are offended. Some of us are offended at people that don't even know 
they have done something wrong to us. What does the Bible tell us? That's why we talk about fellowship with the word. It says, if you have anything against your brother, what did he say? You go to him. You know, that's the one thing we don't do. We go to everybody else except the brother. Again, the word. Am I right? Yeah, we all do that. We all do that. I don't like what this brother did, but don't tell him. I just want to be on my own. That one would tell you that one. You know what that person told me? Ah, but it's just a one. And instead of being a family, instead of being a community, we are an isolation of individuals. And yet, we want revival to break forth. The scripture says if you have anything against your brother, say, call him, tell him. If he doesn't listen, get another brother and go to him. But we don't. We rather keep things in our hearts. And have you heard people boasting that? I can keep things. It, it looks like a strength, but it's not the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you know one of the fruit of the Spirit is not keeping things? And your prayer life will not be effective. You would stop answers from coming to you. <laughs> the one thing I know in this world is there's nobody in this world that is worth that space in my heart to stop answers from coming. I don't mind apologizing. I mean, I've, I've apologized to people I shouldn't apologize to. But you know what? I want the part of peace. I'll take the part of love. If that would be a stumbling block for the gospel, come on, let it go. Let it go. And let's move on. Because there are things heaven wants to pour on our life that unforgiveness is not allowing. It's a blessing blocker. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We've got to deal with that. Don't shut it down. You know, sometimes you can have couples who are not talking to each other for two weeks in the same house. And that two weeks they are not talking to each other is the two weeks they pray the most. I don't know how you pray. You and your husband. You know, people can leave the house and not talk and come to church. Hmm? How you see them? Ah, wow, wow, praise God. Oh, thank you. Oh, you are so blessed. Oh. I know. You know, sometimes my mind, I'm just thinking, God, on Sunday morning, which is a lot of drama. They might get concussed. <laughs> and then as they get back in the car, you know, maybe the husband or the wife would think everything is settled. And say, oh, how I. <laughs> just mind your own, Mr. Man. Say, this no be church. You even hear it. Say, this no be church. What, what do you profit by that? Hmm? Unforgiveness have never helped any believer to become a stronger believer. It weakens you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So one of the things we're going to do today, this morning, is to just let things go of our heart. Praise the name of the Lord. Just let things go. Don't hold. Now, let me, let me say this. I'm not saying invite everybody into your space. I'm not saying open your life up to everybody. There have to be boundaries. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You've got to place your proper boundaries. But you're not walking in malice. You're not walking in unforgiveness. You're not walking in hatred. You're not allowing that thing there to develop. Why? Because there's an assignment of God in your life.
People might need to end your trust. People might need to, but you're not having that bitterness. You're not having anything. You're walking in love towards people. Sometimes love is firm. Sometimes love is tough. Sometimes love is hard. You get what I'm saying? But we're not talking about hatred and anger and malice in our hearts. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's, let's bow our head. Let's, let's go before the Lord. Just talk to Him this morning to help us. Our Father God, we just pray that you will give us a new love for the Word. In the name of Jesus, grant us a new love for the Word. And Father God, if there is anywhere in our hearts where there is hatred on our hearts, and I just pray for everyone, we come into agreement this morning in the name of Jesus, that God, you will, you will overwhelm our heart. The love of God will be shed abroad in our hearts this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Can you say a loud amen? Amen. amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Alright. Very, very important announcement. Can you put that up on the screen? I talked about this on Friday. How many of you were here? Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.